Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Gunshot, your NBA podcast that covers all teams regardless of market size. And we are finally here to wrap up uh, the team coverage portion of our look around the NBA. Uh, We've got five teams left. Uh, We're going to cover the rest of the league today. Um, But as the time you're listening, you know, the NBA season has officially started. Uh, Our goal, obviously, was to get this to you before the season started. Uh, However, the both of us do have day jobs. We both work in public accounting, unfortunately, which comes with heavy uh, 9-15 and 10-15 deadlines so the month of september and october both very busy for the both of us a little hard to get on and record a podcast uh, a little unintended consequence of this we left the lakers and the nets as two of the teams we're going to cover today uh hoping that some of the drama that had been playing out over the course of the offseason would kind of re- resolve itself that being russell westbrook uh kevin durant kyrie irving all those question marks that have floated throughout the offseason still continue to loom. Uh, and and I think we were hoping that by saving these teams towards the end, it would give us some time to let some trades happen, give us something to talk about on that front. Uh, but it has brought its own questions uh, that we'll all dive into here shortly. So we are glad you're back. Uh, we are going to follow later this week with our Western Conference and Eastern Conference previews. Uh, again, I guess we have a little insight having the season just started. We'll, we'll have seen some teams play a game or two. But um, I think even the Vegas odds makers would tell you that there's only so much you can glean over the first night of the or the first few nights of the NBA season. So hopefully uh, you guys will give us a pass if if we do happen to nail these, because, you know, we've, we've never been wrong with any takes in the past before um, that uh, you'll have to look back and and remember. And and if that happens, then, of course, you you all will, will forget we recorded this months ago and I've been calling this for forever. So uh, we'll just see how it plays out. But. That being said, Lauren, it's time to dive in. Uh, our last episode to recap was a full lottery bound. <laughs> we say lottery bound, likely lottery bound uh, slew of teams. We covered the Pistons, the Pacers, uh, the Blazers and the Spurs. And this time it is all playoff bound teams. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll preview guys. Uh, we're going to we're going to cover the Raptors. We've talked to the, the Lakers and the Nets will cover um, the Eastern Conference champs. The Celtics are on the list. Uh, and then, of course, our Dallas Mavericks to round us out. So, Lauren, I mean, no no better place to start than than the team who's 0-1 right now. Uh, and that's the that's the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and the best part about them being Ouch. 0-1 is that they have the first pick. And the, Oh, no, wait. They don't have the first round pick or the first overall pick because it's unprotected going to the Pelicans. So these poor Lakers fans got a glimpse into what their season might look like this year. But, Lauren... Let's just talk about it from the top. Um, not a lot of draft buzz. Second round pick, they drafted Max Christie out of Michigan State. Uh, they did trade for Patrick Beverly, sending Stanley Johnson and Taylor Horton Tucker to Utah. And they did have a few minor free agent pickups. They signed Lonnie Walker, signed Thomas Bryant, brought in Kendrick Nunn and Juan Toscano Anderson. And the guy who wished he had signed the four-year $84 million deal a couple off seasons ago is now back. Uh, that's Dennis Schroeder. So, Lauren, we saw a little bit of the Lakers last night. The biggest question, obviously, is is how is this going to look? Russell Westbrook is still on this team. What do things look like for the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, they're in a really interesting spot. In my opinion, uh, I've heard a couple of people say it before, but uh, the people or the, the people, 
the players outside of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then I'm just going to exclude Russell Westbrook for now. But outside of that, their their roster is better than it was last year, in my opinion. Um, and so I think that they've improved in terms – well, it's hard because you, you really can debate that, but I like the youth kind of movement, the youth blend with the veteran guys that they have. And so I think that they do find themselves in a position where – if you do just take the leap and make the trade, you have this blend of, again, blend of youth, your star top guys, and then whoever you make the trade for, it just feels like the buddy healed miles Turner thing is bound to happen, but things change. And it does feel like that situation has maybe uh, slowed in momentum. But if the Lakers can make a trade like that, having young guys who can go in and play a bunch of minutes a night. Like a, a perfect example is Winnie Gabriel. He's not a flashy name. He's not going to do anything crazy. That's going to just make you like, wow, but he works hard. He's played in a couple of different situations where he, he understands the NBA and how to do his job. And he can go in and play a bunch of minutes. If you need him to, to give your guys rest, especially down the stretch of uh, as you get closer to the playoffs, when, you know, if you're a Lakers fan, ideally you would have solidified your spot and you can rest your guys uh, prepping for the playoffs. So I think the Lakers are in enough of a good position to put something together this season. They just have to address the Russell Westbrook situation. And he ha- he had a good game last night, played well, put up numbers. They lost. So they need the, it, and, and there's still so much tension around this entire situation. So to me, it doesn't matter that Russell Westbrook had a good performance last night. They still lost. There's still a bunch of questions. It seems like every other day there's a headline. Russ is starting. Russ isn't starting. Patrick Beverly says, y'all know he's starting. Like it, it's absurd. We're over it. It's done. It's tired. And so they need to figure out, there was also a report today. I don't know how true it was, but that, Uh, It was from Tim Jones, who covers the Utah Jazz. And apparently the Lakers had an opportunity to acquire, I want to say it was Mike Conley, Bogdanovich. I can't remember if there was a third player in there. I assume there would have had to have been to make the money work, but I just can't remember uh, who it was. Uh, And a 2023 first-round pick for Russell Westbrook and the two two first-round picks from LA. I don't know how true that was. Tim Jones is a pretty reliable source. But if for some reason... The Lakers, if that deal was on the table or another deal similar to that is on the table and they're not doing this, I don't know what's going on over there. I truly don't. And so that is the biggest question mark for me is not will they move on from Russell Westbrook? Because I think we all would agree that they will at some point. But it's how much are we going to let this continue to fester to where it could potentially derail another season? And so that's the biggest question mark for me with the Lakers. Um, And it still looks like the trade packages for Russell Westbrook that we've discussed, everyone else has discussed, seem to be something along those lines that are still out there. So I'm just waiting to see if they'll they'll do one. Right. And we talked about some of the guys that they brought in, the Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I mean, even Pat Bev, some of these guys are are okay three point shooters. I I think Nunn shot roughly 35 percent on four or five attempts last year. So. I mean, they've got okay shooters, but I feel like aside from the chemistry issues, 
they're in a, I mean, they're looking at the same problems they were last year and it's yes, just, they absolutely. do not have anybody to help space the floor. And when LeBron's your best three point shooter, things get tough. And it's not that LeBron is a bad three point shooter by any means, but he does best by facilitating for others, posting up in the mid range uh, and making things happen that way. And it just gets real tough when you've got a, you've got guys like Russ and Anthony Davis who aren't going to stretch the floor as much uh, and make things easier for other guys so um i, I will you. say anthony davis looked, he looked pretty pretty damn good last night he looked yeah. good the, so the, i gotta give him that but again these are these are not spring chickens anymore you know what i mean so right. it, things can change very quickly and if for some reason even if it's something minor or it's rest or it's whatever the case may be if you're looking at the rest of that roster I mean, I, it wasn't until this, I mean, I think it was only announced this week, but I didn't even realize Thomas Bryant was expected to undergo surgery. And right. so as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, Jesus, I mean, cause Thomas Bryant was, I mean, I thought that was a solid pickup for them. It was going to help Anthony Davis allow him to play the four a little bit. It was going to change things a bit for them. Uh, and they just, and the, the reason that I said, I want to circle back a little bit to something that I said about the roster compared to this year or uh, comparison between this year and last year, not having Malik Monk is a huge hit. Like that's a huge hit. Cause that was, he was, he fit well in the system. He was a solid three point option for them. That is a huge hit, but it was very clear that he was going to take the money. So him not being there was, was not really on the table, but um, what they've got right now, they do. And I I've tweeted a little bit that I do. I wouldn't be surprised to see them um, pick up Kemba Walker, especially, especially with uh, Dennis Schroeder being out. So they, they do have some options. There are still guys out there. Um, I mean, Jeremy Lamb, there are plenty of guys out there. I just don't see them doing it. It seems like they want to go with this group that they've got, and I just don't know how far it'll take them. Yeah, I'm with you. Lauren, uh, I've I got to say, things don't look great for the Lakers. Obviously, I don't want to overreact because they did lose to the Warriors. And so, of course, the Warriors <laughs> right. on was... ring night are, are going to beat just about anybody. Um, but I mean, it just feels like it's it's a little rinse and repeat from last year for the Lakers. They obviously don't have their draft pick upcoming this year. So in terms of the future, like things don't look great. It is all on this group right now. Um, Lauren, we've seen and, and maybe at the end of this, we'll talk about the Draymond Green uh, impact with the Warriors. I, mm -hmm. To be honest, I, I don't know that there's a lot more that we have to say that hasn't already been said right. by everyone in the national media. Uh, but we did see Draymond and LeBron have a moment uh, towards the end of the game <laughs> last night, which some of his Warrior counterparts did not take too kindly to. <laughs> Lauren, do you think a Westbrook Draymond swap could be on the table this season? Do you think the Warriors are set with this group? They say, mm -hmm. hey, we're, regardless of how the chemistry is, our window is now, and that includes Draymond. Uh, or do you think there's a world where, hey, let's just go ahead and give Draymond what he wants, put him on the Lakers now, and mm -hmm. maybe find a, a place for wet, for Russ to, to fit? Because I've got to imagine, in a similar way, Draymond facilitates that offense. Russ could do the same. I like the question. It's an intriguing idea. Um, but no, I, I, I don't see that happening. I think... I'm not even sure the money quite works. Um, and and I just don't see Golden State moving on from Draymond quite yet. Things can always change, tension can build. Uh, but right now, I I have to imagine. I mean, one thing that everybody says is winning solves everything. And even though the Warriors won last night, I just want to add, even though it was 
ring night, if they were playing the Mavs on Dirk retirement night, they'd gotten smacked <laughs> like they did back then. But um, I digress. Uh, I just, I, I don't see them moving on from Draymond Green, even for, I mean, there are plenty of names that are out there that make perfect sense for both sides right. uh, that could be available at the deadline that I just am not sold on them moving on from Draymond yet. So it's yeah. an interesting idea. I don't see that being a swap right now. Yeah, especially, I mean, the last thing they would do is try to make the Lakers better. The Lakers have enough of their exactly. problems. You don't want to solve one of those for them. Even if you, um, I mean, at, at best for the, the Warriors, I would see that being a, a lateral move. Um, so uh, definitely a, a lot to keep our eyes on with the Lakers. We will surely be talking about them more as we dive into the season. They're, they're constantly going to be a storyline just by the nature of who they are um, and who's on that team. But um you know, the things we've been saying at the beginning of the offseason, here we are. The season started yesterday and and things don't seem to have changed. So we'll keep an eye out there. But next, Lauren, I want to move to um, the other drama filled team this offseason, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, a team that, you know, I, I have to point out because I wouldn't be doing my job as your older brother if I, if I didn't. I told you there's there's a world where we start oh the regular gosh. season with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both on the regular season roster. Do you want to go ahead and remind me what your reaction was when I said that this offseason? I said I agree. No. <laughs> That's right, because we're never wrong. You're right, you're right. We're never wrong about anything. Uh, but but here we are. I'd just like to say that uh, I told you so. so Good so Lord. I don't know what this is going to look like on the court. Um I think we're going to get a little bit of that tonight. They play the Pelicans, which is should be an intriguing matchup. Um, There's still time for Kyrie to bail. <laughs> yeah, you never know with you Kyrie. Know. Who knows? Um, but but there's a lot of a lot of questions with this team. Not only with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, but with Steve Nash and the front office. What kind of confidence does this um, roster have in in their coaching staff? Uh, as well as as what are things going to look like on the floor? Ben Simmons, another huge question mark coming back. Um, what is that going to look like with this group? Uh, I'm obviously very intrigued um, with that. Uh, as far as free agency, most notably, they re-signed Nick Claxton. They also brought in TJ Warren. They had zero draft picks this past offseason, uh, and they traded their upcoming 2023 first-round pick uh, for Royce O'Neal. I do believe they have maybe Philly's first-round pick that they obtained in the, the Harden swap for Ben Simmons. Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure looking at tankathon, there's some wonky first round pick things going on. So, I mean, from a future standpoint, it is about winning a championship for this team, similar to the Lakers. Uh, and they have the talent to do it. That's not the question. Um, right. It comes back to the X's and O's, the execution, the chemistry uh, and, and the confidence in the coaching staff. Lauren, tell me what are your thoughts on this team uh, this upcoming season? God, bear with me here because I'm going to try to not make this a long-winded answer, but there are really (laughs) so many angles to this team. Um, And you kind of touched on a little bit with Steve Nash and the the concerns, maybe internal concerns, whether it be from the front office or the players. Um, I want to start with Ben Simmons because we have all talked about Ben Simmons so much, um, but you encouraged me to go listen to his Old Man in the Three episode uh, with J.J. Redick. Uh, and Tommy Alter. And I would encourage anyone else to go listen to that if you haven't, uh, because not only was it very interesting, but there was something that uh, JJ and Tommy said that I think is a really important thing. And they just said, and and for anyone, for anyone, take whether you're an athlete or not, for anyone in a job, if you don't feel supported 
And if you don't feel like you're wanted or like you're appreciated for the work that you do, why would you want to stay? And we don't need to get into that aspect of it, but I think it was a really good episode. And I really liked what Ben had to say about where his headspace is at as he enters this new situation and looks to pursue a championship in a different jersey. And so I I am rooting for Ben. I'm excited to see how he will fit. I think it's a perfect fit for him. They can play small. They can play big with Nick Claxton, who looks really solid for them. Um, and there's really no pressure on him. He just, he does what he does in terms of having to guard the hardest or the best player on the other team every single night and just play, make and move. And so I'm really, really intrigued to see how that fits alongside Kyrie and KD. And and even in the preseason and limited minutes, um, I watched a couple of their games and they kept those guys out there longer than the first half. So it was intrigued or it was interesting to see some of these guys and how they fit together. Um, again, Sometimes things can always shift as the season goes on. Winning solves everything, but losing somehow, you know, sometimes will will bring issues to the surface. And Absolutely. so I'm interested to see if that is something that arises. Um, I, you and I were, were discussing before we got recording. I believe it was on Zach Lowe's podcast, but I, I can't, I'm, I'm like 90% sure it was on Zach Lowe's podcast. He was talking about the Nets. Um, and he had a guest on and and they both kind of threw out the idea. Is it more likely that at the deadline, everything has worked out? Winning solves everything. Uh, the deadline's approaching. They're winning. Things are good. And they just move on and compete for the championship. Or is it more likely that some of these issues that maybe got a Band-Aid slapped on them don't quite get sorted out? And then there's an implosion. Um, and they both said implosion and I think that that says a lot and so um I I'm I'm interested to see how things go but sometimes you just you just never know and I think the Nets right now I think every single person every fan every person would agree that this is probably the most unstable situation in the NBA right now and the, and I'm saying that over the Lakers um I think it's very close but the Nets that it's it's it could be a very quick downfall um, so I'm intrigued to see how it goes, but similar to what I said about the Lakers, they have a much better roster around their top guys. Um, I mean, I'm not going to compare the James Harden to Ben Simmons that has already been talked about. We don't need to do that, but bringing in Royce O'Neal, uh, bringing in TJ Warren, who I think is going to be really, really solid. You got Patty Mills, Markeith Morris. I mean, you've got guys that are going to step in and do their job. And so I, I like the team that they've got really sound roster, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much talent you have. If people aren't on the same page, it blows up. So I'm waiting and seeing, and I'm still not picking them to win it all. Like I, I don't, I, if, if there are cracks in a foundation, I'm never going to pick your team to win it all. That's just how I view the league. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. I will say from a lineup standpoint, I love what this team can do. Yeah. Uh, having Kevin and Kyrie as your one, two means you can score on anybody. And so that from an aspect makes things a lot of fun. And then you throw the defensive aspect of Ben Simmons. I mean, I think people who are rooting for Ben Simmons want to see him develop that shot so that he can get over that mental hurdle that he's dealt with. But with this team, he really doesn't have to do that at all. There's exactly. no need. That's the key. Exactly. And so that, that unlocks things for this team. Uh, I mean, listening to the JJ Reddick podcast that you talked about, 
I love when JJ breaks down different plays and looks and things that he experienced during his career, because I'm a basketball nerd. I love the X's and O's and talking about the things that he would do with Ben Simmons uh, was so fascinating. I look at this roster with Joe Harris, with Seth Curry. I see a lot of those similar things. And it's not mm-hmm. just because those guys are shooters, but it's because of how the league has developed to moving off ball, setting screens, those dribble handoffs. Uh, so many things. Nick Claxton also throws, gives them a, a dynamic lob threat for Ben Simmons. Uh, and and those are th- that's a lineup you can run without Kyrie or KD on the floor to supplement your star-heavy lineup that, that you throw. So it comes back to Steve Nash for me. How is this lineup going to gel with him? I mean, Kevin Durant has voiced his concern. Cam Thomas, we talked about during the summer league, not having a ton of confidence in him. Um, so it's just going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, I'm just going to read you their schedule for the first 10 games. They open tonight against the Pelicans, then again at home against the Raptors. Then they go on the road for Grizzlies and Bucks. So first four games, they're probably playing playoff teams, except game five doesn't get any easier because up next is the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, uh, talk to me nice. Yeah. <laughs> so they get luckily they do get the Pacers back to back after that. And then they finish their 10th game of the season uh, at home against the Bulls. So, I mean, we're going to get what this team is made of pretty quickly. Uh, and, and for everybody's sake, I hope that I hope that we get the the fun ball movement, um, heavy offense that we expect. Um, but I mean, things are going to be exposed. We talk about TJ Warren. I don't think he's expected uh, to play until November. So, I mean, that gives you at least five or six games here till we get to November. But um, and like I said, there there are just question marks. Uh, that I think fall back on this coaching staff that that are going to come to light if if they don't see the success that everybody expects. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really interested to to see how it goes. I mean, you and I like to talk about potential trade candidates uh, that could arise as the trade deadline approaches. Unfortunately, for Brooklyn, they might have an entirely new team after the trade deadline. So <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, there's a movable salary. That would make sense because right. the reality is, is that it could be a completely different thing. I right. One thing I think, and we, and I will say this, and we kind of have alluded to it, but the Cam Thomas of it all is very intriguing to me because he's a guy that I'm really high on. He had a really interesting, uh, solid rookie year, I thought. And so when you lose faith in your coaching staff, coaching staff loses faith in you that is how situation you move on from situations eventually that just kind of naturally happens and so if this Nets team even if they're doing well if Cam Thomas is not aligned or just has fallen out of the maybe even out of the rotation I don't know that I would go that far but if he's taking a back seat behind Patty Mills and if he's just not getting the looks or or maybe feeling valued the way he thinks he should in this system um he is someone that I think could come available similarly to kind of how this Cam Reddish situation has unfolded uh so that is something that I would be really really fascinated to monitor because there are while he's still on this rookie contract I think you've got just about any team, how can you not want a 6-4 talented scoring guard? Uh, so again, even whatever direction uh, the Nets take, he is the one that I'm keeping my eye on, which is sounds crazy considering Kevin Durant is there. <laughs> but I, I just, I'm such a big Cam Thomas fan. And I think if any team gets in there uh, and is able to, to steal him away, that's a big win no matter who you are. 
Yeah, I, I will say Cam Thomas is going to have his opportunity early. Uh, so TJ Warren's out. There are some minutes there. Seth Curry and Joe Harris both ruled out for tonight's game against the Pelicans, which should be tipping off any minute as we're recording. Uh, so I expect him to get some opportunity this season, yes. but, but definitely a, a name to keep the eye on. So um, that that's going to wrap up our talk about the Nets for now. I Like the Lakers, we'll surely be talking about them again in the future. Um, but that's going to bring us to our next team. And that is the Eastern Conference champs, the Boston Celtics. Uh, this is another team who had plenty of drama this offseason. And you would have thought that after the um, kind of finish to the season that they had, they would have a lot to be excited about. Uh, they brought in some free agents. They signed Danilo Gallinari, who unfortunately got hurt during Eurobasket. Um, there's rumors that he may be back towards um later in the season maybe even the playoffs but but for now all signs point to him being out uh we've talked about the Malcolm Brogdon trade in the past um Blake Griffin another name they signed Noah Vonley a guy they brought in uh notably Rob Williams is going to be out eight to 12 weeks I saw something that if this were the playoffs he'd be playing now uh, but that they're going to take an abundance of caution right now uh, as they should um but other than that, uh, the most notable news, Grant Williams, no extension. He did go, I believe, five for five from three last night um, and had a nice little start. So uh, he's definitely going to be making an impression. But, I mean, this team revolves around Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, even Marcus Smart, the heart of that defense. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they looked pretty good last night, um, even despite, I believe, they fell to the 76ers. So Yes, they did. Um, so... Uh, lot, lots to be excited about, lots to be concerned about. The biggest question mark is what does this coaching look, this coach, coaching situation look like? Uh, Ime Yudoka, obviously, is going to be away from the team uh, for the foreseeable future. Sounds like he's suspended for the year. So it's going to come down to what what can this team do? What what? Who's this leader of the team? Is it? Do they need this Yudoka leading the team? Because he really stepped in took over from this Brad Stevens developed team and just took them to another level, especially the second half of last season. Uh, And so I think we're going to get a good dose early as to what this looks like for them. Uh, Do they rely on him heavily or have they figured it out themselves? Uh, And so Lauren, I'm interested to hear your take on, on the Celtics this season. Well, first, first I, I need to correct. I said uh, the, the Celtics, the Celtics won last night against the 76ers. So that was my, that was, that was my bad. Um, Thank you. But um, they're in an interesting spot because for the most part, they're running it back. The Malcolm Brogdon edition, I really liked that. thought it was a good one. But again, don't need to uh, beat a dead horse there and continue to break that down. Uh, Even though the Grant Williams, the extension didn't happen based on how he carries himself, the playoff run last year, um, and even just his personality, it would really floor me if he was not in a Celtics uniform next year. Um, seems like they really like him. He's a fan fan favorite, plays his role well. Um, and I think even in restricted free agency, they would match uh, whatever offer sheet he receives because I just don't see a team coming in and, and overpaying him uh, to try and steal him away. So I don't think that there's too, too much to talk about with Grant Williams, uh, Jason Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown. They looked phenomenal last night. Um, so I am intrigued by the Celtics. The thing that I always, always struggle with is they have a good roster. They Their playoff run last year was incredible. Both guys were firing on all cylinders. But I always – it's like it's like I view them how I think a lot of people view the Mavericks. Like, 
okay, you've got a good team. Maybe you don't have a Luca, but you have two damn good co-stars. But to, in my mind, they're just not the favorite. Like I'm still picking a healthy Milwaukee because they have a top five in Giannis. Yep. And that's how my brain works. But I also sit here and when people count out the Mavericks who have a top five player, might not have the best roster, but have a top five player, it drives me crazy. But <laughs> it drives me absolutely crazy. But I but but then I kind of take a step back and I'm like, see, every single year, it's just you got to go out there and prove it. You got to go out there and prove it. And so I think for Boston, I don't think Boston is worried about proving it to anyone. I think they know internally that they can do it. They just got to go do it. And so they've improved the roster. Um, they looked good last night. Uh, I'm interested to see how it unfolds. But like you talked about, a lot of stuff going on off the court. And it does seem like it's, I don't even want to say a thing of the past or like it's resolved or addressed or anything because something as serious as that isn't the type of thing that just fixes itself overnight or right. you just blink and it's done and it's gone and everything's good now. That's just not how that works. And so I don't foresee them like how we were talking about the nets. I don't foresee them losing games and then everything blowing up in terms of just not like a fire, not fire sale, but like chemistry issues. But I am interested to see if more details maybe come out with the Udoka situation, is there some sort of disconnect on Jalen Brown's extension or who the number one really is? Um, my opinion has always been that Jalen Brown doesn't care if he's number one or number two, because his personality to me just doesn't strike someone that's going to hold a grudge about something like that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I don't see that being a huge, huge issue for the Celtics, but there are certainly potential or, or I guess I should just say opportunities or threats even uh, for issues to come about. And so, um, you know, Rob Williams, can he stay healthy? That's always been the question with him. Are you relying a lot on Al Horford, Blake Griffin, who we love Blake Griffin here, Blake of the year forever in our hearts. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely some questions, but I think of the teams that we've talked about thus far, definitely not as worried about them, even though they had by far, in my opinion, the most, probably significant headline of the offseason. Yeah, uh, for sure, especially of, of the most recent few months. Um, and, and the only reason is, is that because nothing happened with Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook, that this really <laughs> did become kind of the big kind of piece of news. I'll say what, what works in the Celtics' favor is because they're coming off of such a successful season. They know what it takes to get there. Yes. They don't need that force, that coach in their ear telling them, you've got this or you can do this because they know that what they might need a doka for. And, and the only problem I foresee is what happens when you catch an injury or what happens if you go on a six game losing streak, what happens when you hit that first patch of adversity, that's when you need your leader, your coach to tell you, Hey, here, here's how we're going to correct course. And, and for all I know, the culture is ingrained in this, this organization where it won't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for the Celtics case, I hope that's how it works out. Um, but that's that's the biggest kind of hole in this puzzle right now is, is what's that going to look like if they they hit that adversity? Lauren, you talked about the Celtics being a similar team to the Mavericks. I remember thinking during the finals, like watching, like the Celtics seemed like the same team as the Mavs. Very defensive-minded, um, very reliant on the three ball, and when it falls, man, I mean, they, they were unstoppable. The problem mm -hmm. was 
they they just couldn't they they couldn't I don't want to say they couldn't rely on it. I and mean, it was live by the three, die by the three is really what it was. And the Warriors were able to make that difficult enough. Uh obviously I think Luca is is a, is a notch above what the Celtics have. But when you compared the Jalen Brown as the number two to Jalen Brunson on the number two, they kind of yeah out that way. And so like offensively, I just felt like they had similar um similar looks that the Mavs yes. were able to put together. And so I, I'm with you. I just I feel like these are these are two very similar teams. The, the biggest difference was that Boston had a big. They had yeah. the Al Horford to uh, bang or or facilitate the offense, and then they had Rob Williams to catch lobs and block mm-hmm. shots. That and was something Dallas did not have. It, you know, it's so fascinating to see how just exactly what you said: the looks, the offense how similar these teams were going throughout the playoffs and what their games were looking like and where they were excelling and where they might've been a little bit weaker. Um, It's so interesting to see the similarities yet. Like you said, Dallas has a top five, but Boston has two co-stars that were better than Dallas's number two. And it evens out there. The differences in the rosters, Dallas, but the similarities in the playoff performance and what was being talked about on the floor when all the cameras were on, you know, the only few games that were happening every other night. And so um, it's very, I think it's just interesting and and not just for these two teams last year, but I think for the NBA in general, there are a lot of different players, systems, coaches, things that are, are comparable or maybe even situations that don't get a lot of attention that should and I think that that's kind of the biggest thing and why we try to talk about every single team and every single market because you might have who's a good example you might have Bam Adebayo or DeAndre eight I should not have said DeAndre but (laughs) you might have some of these double double machines and you're just like god he's so effective like Rudy Gobert such an effective center like what a you know making the money he's so worth it such a good guy to have on your team there's all these conversations potential trade packages and then you have Wendell Carter Jr. in Orlando who fills the stat sheet absolutely fills the stat sheet but nobody talks about him because Orlando is not in a position to compete um but he just he does it all and he works hard and so I think it's it's important to talk about these different situations these different players uh because you just never know who might end up on your team and it's there are certainly lots of guys out there. So I digress. But I think the the similarities between the Celtics and the Mavs are definitely very interesting. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, we've got two teams left to talk about. Uh, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's the Toronto Raptors. And then the team everybody's probably waiting for. <laughs> the Shanghai. I'm just Sharks. Kidding, <laughs> it's the Dallas Mavericks. They're coming. I know. We're waiting for it. Hopefully it's uh, not all doom and gloom. I think we've got a lot to be excited about. But, you know, we're homers. So. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back. So, Lauren, uh, I teased before the break. We've got two teams left. Um, uh, An intriguing roster, an intriguing young roster in Toronto up north um, is is set to make more noise in the East. Uh, We've talked in the past how deep this Eastern Conference team is. This is a conversation that's going to play out throughout the off or throughout the season as, as it plays out. Um, but this is a scrappy team that just led by Nick nurse finds a way to win. I believe they had 50, 50 plus wins last year. Um, finished. I want to say fifth in the East. I'm now looking it up because 
Uh, I, I've got to I've got to get that right. Uh, 48 and 34. They did finish fifth in the East, but just under 50 wins. Um, so so another very intriguing team. They they've got Scotty Barnes, a, a guy who is expected to take another step. Um, questions around Pascal Siakam, whether or not he'll be traded, will always kind of follow this team. But you look at this roster, it just I, I can't put my finger on what it is that they do so well and why they have so much success. Um, so, so Lauren, I'll, I'll read some of the moves they made this year. Um, they drafted Christian Coloco. I think I said that name correctly. Um, Coloco. Coloco. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Preston Sachua, obviously, uh, still involved with the team. Um, OG Ananobi, don't know if there's any questions around that. I, I want to say he was up for an extension and didn't, um, didn't get that, but I, I may be confusing him with anybody. Anyway, all that being said, Lauren, I mean, a team that was rumored to be involved in Kevin Durant, maybe Donovan Mitchell, lots, lots of questions, but, but an intriguing team. What are your thoughts on Toronto? Yeah. I mean, my thoughts, are, I'm very high on Toronto. And the the thing is, the thing that I find to be unique about this team is the fact that ev- not maybe not every guy, but the majority of their guys, they embody the positionless basketball. It's what everyone says. You, you sign Majuri seems to have this type in terms of six, seven to six, nine guys that can do a little bit of everything. I don't think Pascal Siakam is going to get moved uh, in the near future. Things can always change, but right now I don't see that being a possibility. Um, they're, they're in a really good position. I personally, this will tell people how high I am on the Raptors this year. Uh, I'm picking them over the Hawks. I'm picking them over the Bulls. And they're right there with Cleveland. And I could see it going either way. And so I, I'm very high on them. I think they're all – they have a phenomenal coach. Everybody's on the same page. OG, there's definitely – there was some some rumor last year that he might not be super satisfied with his role. But, I mean, he looks like he's enjoying himself. He looks – everything looks to be fine in Toronto. But that's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on um, as, you know, their payroll gets higher and higher. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, guys like Delano Banton, who is like kind of a gem in terms of just how he plays and how he fits into the system. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how the Raptors look this year, because another team that didn't really have like a true five last year, uh, drafts Christian Coloco, who looks to be, I mean, he was working out with them ahead of when teams were and guys were reporting to training camp. He looks really solid. I don't know that he's going to immediately crack the rotation right off the bat, but I do think that he will uh, work his way in there. Um, and then another guy is Precious Achua, who who you mentioned, who I also think is going to take a step forward. He's When you watch him play, he's already developing the three-point shot. He looks confident enough to attack the rim off the dribble, which is not something that you see 6'8", six, 6'9", six, small ball fives doing very often. So especially one that was included in a trade that was just like he almost just like discarded uh and so a very underrated aspect of that Kyle Lowry trade uh that Toronto got and he might end up just being a pretty significant piece of their future with what they're trying to build so I'm very high on them uh there was a report I want to say within the last two weeks might have even just been within the last week uh that Toronto is quote primed to make a mid-season trade and that's true. They've got movable contracts. Um, 
They've got bigger money contracts like a Gary Trent Jr. or an OG if things really, if something really presents itself, I think that those are unlikely. But then you've got Kim Birch, Otto Porter Jr. I think that's between like 12 and 14 million that you can put together uh, if you want to make a move. And so my absolute worst case scenario is Miles Turner. They do not need a five elite rim protecting big. And to me, they've always sniffed around Miles Turner. They could probably stand to move off of a draft pick to go get him. And they have the movable contracts to to make that deal work. And so there are other names out there, guys like Josh Richardson, I think is an intriguing one for Toronto, even Rashawn Holmes. Um, but again, Rashawn is a little smaller than Miles. Miles is worst case scenario for, I think, a lot of people. And so Toronto finds themselves in a very good position because they are not quite on the timeline where it's, okay, we have to go all in and make a move right now, which is, I think, why you didn't see them pull the trigger on Kevin Durant. And so they find themselves in an interesting spot because they have the all-star level talent in Pascal Siakam and even in Fred Van Fleet, who was an all-star a couple years ago. Um, Fred's future, I think, is is a different conversation. But right now, how this team is constructed, they're constructed to be competitive in the East. I'm not picking them to go super far in the playoffs, but they're going to give people a tough run for their money. And you got to hope that they don't make a trade that is a relatively easy trade for them to make that launches them into a different category because there are plenty of those trades out there and that's what makes Toronto so dangerous. Yeah, uh, you look back to that Marcus All trade they made years ago that that really helped that finals run. The difference with that team though is that they had Kawhi Leonard. Uh and I look at this roster, they just don't have that guy that I think is going to be the bucket getter when you need it. And when you just look up and down this Eastern Conference standings, uh, you need that. I mean the Heat They've got Jimmy Butler, Celtics, pick your poison, uh, Tatum or Brown, the Bucks, the Sixers, uh, the Nets. I mean, even the Bulls, if they get DeRozan back, are, are right there pushing with the Raptors. I, I've got to gotta think that the Bulls, if, if are healthy, are going to be a little better than last year. I just am not buying into the Raptors. And and the, the problem that I have is that I am buying in on Nick Nurse which contradicts what I what I see when I look at this roster. And so um, if if we're at the end of the season and the Bulls, or excuse me, the Raptors are sitting here at four or five again, would I be shocked? No. Uh, but do I see it happening? I just don't. I just think that the East got too significantly, uh, or, or the, the East improved too significantly for them to stay as competitive as they, they have been in the past. So would that trade change something? Absolutely could depending on what that looks like for them uh, could be the needle mover but i don't think i or i say i do think that the raptors found their their recipe for success and that's acquiring a a star who who wants out to change this this franchise so right now they're they're accumulating the pieces that they need to win the championship when the time comes to pull us, uh, the trigger for the star uh, i think they'll do it so lauren do, do you think they might already have the star uh, would it surprise me if Scotty Barnes turns into that? No, I, I think we could see that. Problem is that's four or five years down the road, maybe. Um, maybe there's a world it's it's three years down the road. Uh, do I think Scotty's an all-star this season? Probably not. Um, next season, maybe. It depends on the outlook of the East. Do you still have all these powerhouses there? Yeah. Um, and, and it obviously just continues to see how this this team develops. Um so, so I don't see this happening in the next couple of years for them um, without that, without that 
fence swinging trade. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at on the Raptors. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I'm a lot higher on Pascal than a lot of people. Same goes for Scotty. Uh, Scotty does everything. He just, and so does Pascal. And so I, I'm, I'm very high on this team. I think they're going to be really intriguing. I mean, they have, to me, they have the depth, maybe not the depth of someone like Milwaukee or even the Nets, which is why I don't predict them going very far in the playoffs, but they are so dangerous because the pieces that they do have, yes, Fred Van Fleet and even Pascal are the older of the group, but guys like Gary Trent, OG, Scotty, these are very versatile young pieces that have so much room to grow. Um, and they're playing alongside two guys that are, are have have been and are all-star level talents. And so when you have a really solid coach and a very versatile team, I think that makes for a tough battle in the regular season and in the playoffs. And so I'll be very interested to see what they can put together. And I would be floored if they didn't try and make a deadline move to even uh, just take a step even further forwards because I mean, Masai, he just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule anything out for them. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do. I think the consolidation or not consolidation, but swing for the fence trade for them is interesting because I think it really, de- I mean, it always depends on timing, but depending on who the player is, you know, there's a reason they didn't make the trade for, for, for Kevin Durant, because if you, if you then have quote unquote, a big three of Pascal, Fred and Siakam, they're all on the same timeline. You're immediately competing. Like you could have done that. You were immediately competing, but they didn't. And I think that tells you a lot about how they view this core and the timeline that they're on, how solid they can be in terms of how versatile they are on both ends of the floor and what that could look like. Um, especially given maybe the draw that a team like Toronto could have given Masai, Nick Nurse, the Drake of it all, all that good stuff. So I'm very intrigued to see what they do, but even a potential consolidation trade or a swing for the fence trade, I don't think they need to go out and and make a move for like, well, the Kevin Durant thing is so unique, but even I don't think it would need to be something so, so crazy. I could see it being something like the Chris Paul trade is not I'm not saying a similar player, but the way the Chris Paul trade happened in terms of what was given up, uh, dad and I were actually talking about this this morning, um, from Houston and then from OKC, like what was given up, um, and then even in Phoenix, what was given up to acquire Chris Paul every single time really wasn't that much. And look at the impact that it's had in Phoenix. I think that's the situation, the kind of situation that Masai will wait to feel out instead of having to give up the farm to go out and try and get someone like a Kevin Durant or get someone like a Jalen Brown. I'm not saying anyone can trade for Jalen Brown. I'm just saying the right situation. I think they will be better off waiting for that because what they are growing in their backyard is pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, again, I mean, theme theme of everything so far has been a, a team to keep our eye on. So, <laughs> uh, that's going to bring us to our last team, the Dallas Mavericks. But before we do that, I thought I would uh, mention I went ahead and Googled the Shanghai Sharks. They have had a bit of a rough start to their season. They're one and three. Uh, the signing of Michael Beasley has not appeared to pay off uh, so far. He is shooting zero percent from the three. Uh, I don't have on how many attempts, so I apologize there. But 29. We'll, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll keep you updated on the Shanghai Sharks if we even remember throughout the season. But here we go, Lauren, the moment we've been waiting for, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, a disappointing offseason uh, for most Mavs fans. We watched Jalen Brunson walk for nothing. Um, we God. were waiting on maybe a ball handling replacement or a wing to be signed with the MLE, ultimately just to find uh, JaVale McGee is going to fill that role and be a starter. Uh, so that that will be interesting in, in one aspect. Uh, he definitely does bring some things to this team that they need. Um, they drafted Jaden Hardy, um, seen a lot of great things from him. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute. Josh Green's gotten obviously a lot of buzz this training camp. Again, until we see this product on the floor, it just feels like a lot of things are going to fall on Luca, which is how this team is constructed and, and probably always will be. Uh, Luca, luckily, is that guy who can carry this team and make a lot of these players better. Um, but we get Tim Hardaway back healthy, <laughs> who, tell me if you've heard this before, uh, is, a, is like a free agent signing in and of itself now that he's healthy. Um, so, so no, no worry, Mavs fans. Don't worry. <laughs> we signed Tim Hardaway Jr. this offseason. Um, so, Lauren, the media as a whole, not super mm-hmm. high on the Mavs. Where are yeah. you? Uh, as unbiased as we possibly can, which yeah. if, if we have said anything is not much. We definitely are Mavs homers. Um, yes, but looking looking out, looking at this from a step back, what do you think the Mavs have got this season? Oh, boy. Um, I like the roster. I will say, and I I genuinely mean this, last year, I, there would, there were certain guys that would be subbed into the game that I would want to pull my hair out when they got subbed into the game. I'm not naming any names. I, you probably know, but please don't, I'm no, we're not naming any names, but this year, anybody that gets subbed into the game, I'm good with anybody on the roster right now, you get subbed in, I'm good. Because I, th- I genuinely think that there's a spot in the rotation and a spot in the scheme for every single person that we have on this roster. And that is something that I'm very excited about. So where this team is currently at, do I, th- I I'm not, it's what's crazy is that I, I honestly don't even really care about the wins. Like the win count. Are they a 50 win team? Are they not a 50 win team? I think their ceiling is the fifth seed. I really do. Because I genuinely think that when you have a guy like Luca, there's only so low like the floor is on, like the floor is pretty freaking high. And so right. I'm not worried about them having a disaster of a season and like being in the play in and not even making play. I'm really not worried about that, but I just think, and everyone has said it the way some of these other teams have either come back healthy or, or built themselves. I just don't see Dallas being able to overcome that despite having a top five player, which is why I put them ceiling as the fifth seed so I'm slotting them anywhere between five and seven that's that's kind of where I'm looking but when it comes to the playoffs it's a completely different ball game which is why it's not like I'm oh I'm I'm worried about the Mavericks this year I'm really not I think that they've done a solid job positioning themselves moving forward um the Jalen Brunson of it all sucks Ben talked about don't need to beat a dead horse but mm-hmm. the Christian Wood situation, I'm very intrigued. It looks like he's already building chemistry with Luca. Looks like there's chemistry with Jason Kidd. Um, trust with Jason Kidd. Uh, chemistry with Jaden Hardy, who we all love. Um, and so I just, I'm, I'm really intrigued by some of these guys that we have moving forward. As you kind of take a glimpse into the future, before I circle back to to this season, it won't be long before you have 
Reggie Bullock on an expiring contract, Spencer Dinwiddie on an expiring contract. And if those guys are playing the way we think that they will, those are value assets. And so um, Dallas does have options and I do like the roster that they're putting together. I do think that they have serious things that they need to work out in terms of lineups, starting lineups, closing lineups, but those are things that just kind of naturally um, get worked out over time. And, and I think they will, I think they will. And so I like this team as far as the ceiling for the playoffs, it's very hard to say so matchup based, but I like where they're at. They do finally have the, the, the seven foot rim rolling guy who who looks like he already has the paint presence I mean yes we've only seen the preseason at the fan jam but it's even just looking at them out on the floor they look so much different than they did last year and the lob the lobs from Luca to Javel just look so effortless every time they do happen whether the defense is there or not and so um or I should say whether the defense is really trying or not it just it, I have a I am I would imagine that we're going to see a lot of that this year and is probably why I picked the over on Luca assists for tonight's game. Um, so <laughs> I, I really do think I'm excited to see how this team operates. Everyone knows if you're listening to this, you probably know that I'm super high on Josh green. I love him. I think he's a really, really solid young player. Um, and I think he's the exact type of player that you want to have as a young guy, as a guy that has room to grow and personality wise, game wise on a team that's trying to contend because when you're young, when you're a young team that's not in a place to contend, everybody gets minutes. There's a, there's minutes for everybody. But when you're a contending team, it's very difficult to find those those opportunities for guys. And so for Josh, I think he approaches the situation well. I think the coaching staff approaches how they handle his his minutes. Um, and I'm very intrigued to see what he does this season. And so I, I like where the Mavs are at. But as far as expectation for this season, the, I, I don't, I'm not expecting a repeat of last year. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but I just, I think that that's a realistic approach. But that being said, as they come into this year, I think long-term and paths forward, they're in a much better position than they were last year, which might sound crazy, not having Jalen Brunson, but I really do believe that. Yeah. For me, when I look at this team, I, I, I've got to remind myself, like, there are just so many things that will have to go well for the maps to get to that point. I mean, we're going to need Spencer Dinwiddie to fill that Brunson role. And that doesn't seem like that's a huge stretch, but then we're going to need um, Tim Hardaway to get back to kind of what he was uh, when we think back to those Los Angeles Clippers playoff series, uh, being that huge punch off the bench. We're going to need Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock to be those lockdown defenders that they were in the playoffs last season. We need Maxi to play that three and D stretch four. Uh, that we've seen. Uh, and, and we're going to need Christian Wood to be a six man of the year uh, candidate, not to mention, I, I can't remember if I, I mentioned Josh Green also taking a step, but I just feel like all of these things are going to have to happen for us to be successful. We want to mm -hmm. see a jump from Frank as well. He he played well in spurts in that Phoenix series, but he hasn't looked great in um, the preseason. He's also going to be out tonight with a, a right ankle injury, I believe. So, um, there, there are just too many things I think that have to go right for mm -hmm. us to be successful. Luckily, it all falls back to Luca and being one of the best in the league. It's not impossible, uh, mm -hmm. and so from that aspect, obviously, gives me a lot of optimism. Uh, I will say I do expect I, I had the luxury of going to a preseason game uh, this year and, and watching Chris Christian Wood. I just he makes it so effortlessly. 
uh, or he makes things so effortless on offense. Uh, scoring to him is very natural, whether it's from three or or in the mid range, posting up. Um, we'll see what what he looks like on the defensive end, but I feel like that six man role could just be perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know we've talked in the past about how perfect a CJ McCollum would be for this team uh, mm-hmm. back when when there were rumors that that his name was being floated around. We always talked about how perfect of a fit he would be just being a, a an additional scorer who could go get 20 on his own. Mm-hmm. I feel like Christian Wood is that for Dallas. Uh, and so I, I don't know what that's going to look like, how heavy we're going to rely on him on defense. Uh, obviously, if he's able to give us that interior presence, that helps. Um, but I think we're going to see the offensive impact be something that we haven't had uh, or um, in a while, especially from a big. And, and I hate to say that having Porzingis. Um, but I, I just think Christian Wood can and will be that. Uh, for me, the questions fall around these these other pieces. Are we going to see Jaden Hardy pop? Is Tim Hardaway going to slide off a bench roll and be fine? Are we going to have any Reggie Tim struggle for minutes? Because I think mm-hmm. last season we watched those two guys kind of bounce back and forth, and it didn't really seem like it was working for either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Tim got hurt, but fortunately for Reggie, we saw him flourish. Uh, mm-hmm. And so – I don't know if that de facto carved out a role uh, for each of them, but mm-hmm. but that's going to be something I'm keeping an eye on uh, as the season goes. So lots to be excited about, lots to also be uh, concerned about and skeptical about, but but we'll have our eyes on it the whole way. Yeah, I think here's here are like my things about what I feel, because like you said, there are a lot of things that we will hope for and that have to go right for this team. But Here's where I'm at on things that I expect to go right and things that I expect to, that I feel pretty confident will will ultimately be the case. So let's start with Christian Wood. Christian Wood, I think pretty, I don't, I, I'm not going to say, oh, he's going to be a starter by this point in the season or he's going to remain a sixth man the whole year. But I feel pretty confident that he's going to average over 15 points a game, maybe not the 10 rebounds, but at least eight I think he'll get in there, and that is a huge deal for this Mavericks team. And so for him, whether he's starting or not, I think he is going to be a scoring threat night in and night out. And I think a 15, averaging at least 15 a game is a pretty conservative bare minimum that you can rely on. And I do expect him to do to put up more than that. But that alone, I think, is, is something that will really help this team, especially when looking at how they played in the preseason – if he was in a position where he had a mismatch or he ran the floor, he was sealing and they were getting him that ball night in and night out. And yes, you can only take away so much from preseason, but having that low post threat, like you talked about, is just like, that's not something that this team has really had in a long time. It's been a lot of five out. And so having Christian Wood, whether he's putting up 15 or he's putting up 20 a night, I think he's going to be, he's going to really change how this offense and how this team goes. And so that's, he's going to be huge. With Tim, I do expect Tim to come off the bench for the majority, if not all, of this season. I don't think he's going to have a problem stepping right back into things um, because that just seems to be how he goes. And so I'm not worried about Tim. On the flip side of things, I do have concerns about Reggie Bullock's consistency. I'm wondering if he's going to get started and be inconsistent the way he was last year or if he's going to be ready to go right out of the gates now that he this is no longer his first year in this system. So I have questions there. I don't expect Frank Nilakina to really do much of anything this year, despite me being a big Frank fan. Jaden Hardy, I'm expecting him to not do anything this season, even though I think he has the tools and the confidence and the personality to do it. I'm setting my expectations low so he can exceed them if he wants to. But as far as taking Jaden Hardy, Frank Nilakina, um, 
and Reggie Bullock out of what I expect them to do. I think it's reasonable to expect Spencer Dinwiddie to be a solid starter next to Luca. I'm not going to say he's going to average over 15 points a game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I do think he's going to be enough of a scoring threat to where having a in-season shape Luca from day one is going to make this offense lethal enough. And so from that from that aspect, I'm good with the offense that's going, the offensive production, I think, from this whole team. And then Compazzo, I want to say this. This is the last thing I want to say on Compazzo. And I don't want to say everyone is out here saying this, but I've seen a lot of, oh, he's probably not even going to play. He's the 15th man on the roster. Like, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that. I know it took forever for him to get signed, but part of that was because he wasn't sure if he was going to go back and move back overseas and play overseas or if he wanted to come back to the NBA. So to me, it's not like, oh, he waited so long to get signed and he got signed by the skin of his teeth because he sucks. That is not how I view Compazzo. And so I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to do. I don't expect anything from him offensively. Uh, well, I should say shooting wise, I'm going to let him surprise me with his shooting. <laughs> um, but the playmaking, the defense, the scrappiness, and I don't want to say the defense Mavs draft has good thoughts on Composo's defense in terms of scrappiness versus defensive impact. But I, I really do think he's going to, he's going to give solid minutes and definitely more so than Frank. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, knowing a lot of people will have been or or will have already watched the Mavs game by the time they're listening to this uh I want I want to hopefully give everyone a reality check for two reasons the emotions behind this first game for both Phoenix and Dallas Mm -hmm. regardless of how this goes whether we absolutely smack them down like we did in game seven or it's a close nail biter and we lose or I mean whether we get smacked I mean there there's so much on this for all of the Phoenix guys who have all of that still fresh in their mind, as well as the Mavs who are, who are jumping back into the swing of things with a slightly new roster. Um, I I don't want this to be an overreaction game either direction because, and don't get me wrong. If you follow either of us on Twitter, you will be seeing it will 100% be an overreaction game for both of us. (laughs) Yes. But you'll be seeing the daddy. uh, Oh yeah. Luca crying memes, all of the, all of the, the great moments if, if it goes our way. But that being said, um, this is a long season, and because this game is so um, highly charged, I don't think there's going to be a ton to take away outside of the rotation, uh, which is what I'm going to have my eyes on, not only tonight, but over the first 10 games of the season, uh, because I think we're going to get to see what things are going to look like and, and, and how they should shape out uh, over the course of the season. So I'm glad you said that for sure. I, I, I completely agree with that, completely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to bring us to a close. We we talked about maybe talking about Draymond, but I think we're going to save that for our Western Conference preview pod. We'll talk about that and, and how that impacts the Warriors this season as well. Um, but we appreciate you listening to us. We have two more episodes in our, our look around the NBA series. Uh, they'll be coming to you later this week, uh, both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference preview. Um, but this is going to conclude the the team aspect portion of the, our look around the NBA. We're, we're appreciative that you guys went through this journey with us. Uh, hopefully we're, we're able to provide you with some insight and, and some things to look forward to. So see you all next time on the gunshot.